Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. I want to welcome you back to another episode of what I've branded pivotal since these interview style segments tackle impactful CPG industry topics and lessons from the business leaders that live it every day. In this episode, I talk with my amazing friend, aka the greatest nickname giver on planet Earth, aka the king of all wipes, aka the co-founder and chief commercial officer of the surging personal hygiene brand Good Wipes, Sam Nebel. He shares how his prior experience on the franchising operations side of the specialty supplement retailer Complete Nutrition help inspire some of the business strategies at Good Wipes. Sam and I dive into the wellness halo effect and explain how it's impacting a brand that's on a mission to change the way people think about hygiene. We also talk through a handful of Good Wipes market challenges and strategic lessons that you'll notice bridges the gap to the food, beverage, and nutritional supplement CPG categories. Those are just a few of the many topics that Sam and I discuss, so make sure you have some good wipes, body wipes within close proximity because you're going to need them to clean up all the sweat from the heat we brought in this episode. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you and, and have you kind of help me kind of bridge the gap here on um, something, a subject, I guess I don't talk a lot about or a category I don't talk a lot about, which is like personal care and into some of the subcategories within personal care. Um, a lot of my obviously community, I think you follow along is more towards the, you know, food, beverage, nutritional supplements. But I think the subcategory or just kind of like the, I guess, intersection and where you guys at, at Good Wipes are at, I think is actually a lot more I guess, applicable to my community than I think they would really even understand or, or kind of notice. And, and I think that you'd be the perfect person probably to uh, help me bridge that gap because me just talking about it myself, I don't think it adds the, the same level of validity that, you know, bringing on somebody like you that uh, is the, you know, co-founder and, and chief commercial officer at a really impressive brand, Good Wipes. And I also think I quickly noticed when we were communicating that uh, you're a big nickname guy. Um, is that a, is that from like a sports background? Josh, I don't know where the nickname situation comes from. Um, I think it's something, I think I'm definitely one of the best nicknamers in the world. And I think <laughs> that's really important. I've done self nicknames. I've done external nicknames. I've named, I actually might be one of the, the greatest namers in the world and <laughs> all off intuition with very little uh, linguistic background. I think it's something that I've been born with. It's, it's just one of my gifts. I, did, and you I, I actually, did you dub yourself the king of wipes, the king of all wipes then? I, I did. That's, that's the nickname I gave myself. It, I don't know if that's allowed though. You're not allowed to give yourself your own nickname. Some people would say that. And I, I'm sure I would, I would actually say, 80 to 90% of the people watching us right now, of the millions of viewers, Josh will probably agree with you that you can't give yourself your own nickname. I disagree. It's just something that I've done and it's something that seems to be working. So 
And a lot of people don't know where, who comes up with my nicknames. They just kind of appear and they start <laughs> calling me that. And I, I, you know, I don't know what else to say other than it's, there's market validation, clearly. Do you, have, do you have vendors and customers calling you by that nickname? I definitely have vendors calling me that. Um, <laughs> I have had, I feel like I've had a lot of, uh, definitely a lot of people who I would not suspect to say, hey, king of all wipes. However, I don't think I've ever, I've yet to have a buyer, I believe. I, I feel like I've definitely have a few emails in there of people saying King of All Wipes and I, you know, I forgot from the signature. I'm like, how they know that my name? And, um, but I don't think I've had a buyer yet. We'll see. I'll have to go back in the, in the archive. <laughs> well, why I thought you'd be great to help me bridge this is actually because you have uh, a little bit of a background in the supplement industry. I think during... Yeah. Late 2011 into 2014, you worked um, for Complete Nutrition and right. wanted to kind of have you talk through the transition from being on the retail side of the supplement industry and then jumping into the CPG entrepreneurship because you you kind of ran right up into when you guys founded Good Wipes. And I was trying to like rack my brain. I was thinking like, how does somebody go from the supplement industry to, cre you know, creating a, you know, wipes company, a hygiene company. And the only thing I could kind of come up with was that you were stuck in these stores for so long and you were constantly smelling protein farts. And it like was a spark of inspiration that you were like, this is what we have to do. Josh, uh, the, the, I can totally bridge the gap. Um, we, Charlie and I are passionate about health and wellness and nutrition. We have, we, I mean, that's definitely, I think not directly, but it's a byproduct of that's kind of a subculture at Good Whites. Everyone's into that type of thing. Um, and, and wellness and mental health, which I think is really cool just by like who we are as people. So I think that's kind of, it was never designed on purpose. Like Good Whites is a health and wellness company, but we do tend to care about that. And I think that allows us and extends us empathy to consumers on a broader level where we're not selling with them directly one to, in a one-to-one -one scenario um, is, is just the understanding of this is how we want to live our lives. So there's a little bit of aspirational component that trickles into our brand, which is can be silly because we're talking about butt wipes or feminine hygiene or body wipes. And it's like, you know, it is still very taboo for most Americans to talk about those things. But we have that other, that extra layer. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about, excited to talk about the translation into personal care and some of the, some of the similarities of which I do believe there are many. And you, you, you tell me what, what you really want to dive into, but the transition, were there a lot of protein farts at Complete Nutrition? Most certainly. What, what really happened <laughs> was, and I'm really going to spill all the beans here, because um, I don't think a lot of people know this story, but Charlie and I, we graduated from Florida State together, 2011, jumped right into managing stores for Complete Nutrition in Jacksonville, Florida, from Tallahassee, where we had started working in a few stores and really bought it. We were, let's just say, we were pretty big into working out. Uh, it's kind of a culture in Tallahassee. So then in comes this supplement store, Complete Nutrition, and they're crazy, high energy, giving away free stuff frankly, a bit off-putting at the time, um, until I found out, until Charlie and I found out how much revenue and profit a complete nutrition was doing at that time. So 
we said, because we didn't know what we wanted to do with our lives other than be entrepreneurs and work for ourselves. We said, we got to franchise one of these because they're blowing up from what we've heard. So that's why we moved to Jacksonville. We never told anyone that that's why we were doing that. We just said that we want to work for them so we can learn the ins and outs and then apply behind the scenes, which pissed off our boss at the time. And uh, when he eventually found out that we were awarded to be franchisees, this was sometime in 2012, I think, they went on a franchise freeze because they were, grew too fast. So they grew from like 20 stores in Nebraska to like 50 stores in Texas and, and Wisconsin and a lot of um, Midwest, Rust Belt type of areas where the main strategy, this, it's a fascinating MBA case study where the main strategy was blast radio because the DMA was a low cost of penetration, drive consumers to the store to something they've never experienced before, completely different approach than a GNC or vitamin shop where they're standing behind the, the counter and you know the guy or the gal doesn't really look like they're working out. And you're like, how am I supposed to trust this person? So Complete Nutrition would staff with extremely fit people, mostly meatheads, which Charlie and I were certainly meatheads at the time. And you'd work with them to, to understand who they were as people, where they were coming from and what drove them to come in. Because it's some sort of aspiration of muscle building or weight loss and maybe a little bit of health like vitamins. Probably 5% of the, the sales were from vitamins and the rest came from weight loss and, and, um, and sports nutrition is what they call it, right? So um, they would come in, people would come in and the minimum order, I think, or the average order is around $200. And that was driven a lot by the weight loss kits. And this allowed us to, number one, it was a great experience for Charlie and I to be working with people and really understand the consumer. We fell in love with merchandising. They would create their own, they manufacture their own products, right? And so the merchandising was just beautiful. Target has the strategy, fewer, deeper, bolder. That's exactly what a complete nutrition would do. And you would just have shelves and shelves of the same product, all of their brands. So it flowed beautifully. We'd personally interact with people. So we learned sales and I think empathy on a really deep level where we were making connections. And the reason that Charlie and I made massive connections were number one, a lot of the people we worked with got results. Two, we were consulting with them. So we were able to build like a personal, we help you relationship. And then three, truthfully and unfortunately, um, our history of complete nutrition was overshadowed by working at underdeveloped stores for about a year and a half. Um, and we just had a little bit more time. So some people would come in and talk to us. And that's what a lot of people are craving. They want to be understood. They want to be heard. They want to be yeah. empathized with. But those elements were pivotal in following with us. And now how we build empathy, not as like a buzzword of like Gary Vee being like, be kind today, bro, which is totally cool. But more of like, hey, what are people actually going through and what do they want and how can we help them? And it doesn't mean that we have to be this like these, you know, the, a, a preacher, but we can help people. And it's just like cool and normal. And like, hey, you want these butt wipes that are better for you for X, Y, Z reasons. And that's what the supplement industry, I think, when supplements do the best is I think I think they're they're hitting on those um, those elements. You're talking about the, you know, empathetic, um, you know, customer centric type of yeah. mentality and how that was brought into good wipes and want to talk about how the last maybe two years have, have 
gone for for you guys and how that has been, I guess, applied and really been valuable over the last two years um, because of what obviously everybody's kind of went through. But I think the the category as a whole, there's there was a lot of spotlight on you know your category, maybe the you know the the legacy part of it, the 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 typical tissue paper um, consumer tissue type you know side of it. It became you know in the zeitgeist of the consumer. All of a sudden, you know, we didn't realize that we we could run out of toilet paper, or we you know could. And I think that that provided both, I guess, opportunities and and also challenges for you over these last two years. Because, and I'm just going to kind of run through a few things that were in my head, and you can kind of tell me if if these things were you know positives or, or negatives for your business. But I was thinking about you know, the consumer hygiene, like just awareness level has been super heightened, which I'm assuming is probably a very good thing for your business. I think a lot of the retail merchandising kind of resets were delayed because of the supply chain, which I think is probably going to be, you know, not all that good. But I do think that there was both a prioritization of like these mega brands, um, which is not good. But also because of that, I think there was a lot of out of stocks that happened, which created trialing for you guys, which hopefully with your guys' you know, kind of superior product, you were able to hang on to customers. And then, you know, also just kind of thinking about, and I don't know, you know, your guys' capital structure, what um, you guys went through during that time, but like just availability of capital and just, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. Those are some of the things that I, at least in my mind, that I think are even applicable to the same you know, the other space as well. But I was kind of curious about in your particular business, like how you guys were navigating these last two years with some of those effects. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great to, to think about and talk about. I mean, look, the end result of where we are now is, you know, we grew 100% year over year from last year to this year. We're on the same trajectory again um, from 21 to 22. So we, we've had great growth over the past few years and, and nothing to complain about. I think, it, you know, look, it's net neutral. Um, we were much smaller and we had a, such a small footprint in flushable wipes at the time. Um, and, you know, we definitely got dinged up on the manufacturing right at the beginning, which then picked up like summer 2020. We, we picked back up and we were good to go. Um, in a perfect world, we would have had, you know, five times, I mean, multiply the amount of distribution you would have had and we would have had that many more sales and opportunities for trial um for our product because as you mentioned we do see incredible retention once someone tries our product um, across all of our channels and for us um the you know talking about the capital markets piece of it we actually did have have an investor pull out i'm not going to name names here um but look there were there were fallouts and then there were opportunities and i think all of that creates a learning lessons and experience um you know hopefully experience from COVID doesn't have to translate into anything like that in the future, but just going through those swings of what can happen, uh, what risk looks like, what, you know, people, people say force majeure, right. And, and, um, and, and it's like, oh, that don't, that don't ever happen. It's like, well, there's probably, that's probably getting executed like on a daily basis. Right. So um, we, you know, we had a, a investor fallout and we had, we had uh, already contact with um, a firm before who we ended up not going with. Um, and then we reached back out to them and they were extremely aggressive during that time frame. So it ended up working out. We were financed a few months later, able to pick back up with our with our plan um, and go where we needed to go. And I think buyers were really responsive to us just because we were starting to get out there a little more. I think, look, again, net neutral, right? Like half of them said, hey, we're not gonna review this year. And then the other half said, actually, 
why don't we bring you in? Because I'm getting stiffed by, you know, X, Y, and Z, won't name names, but um, that created opportunity for us. And then when there were some out of stocks, <clears throat> it did create that, that ability to create some trial. Um, and that trial, like I said, has led to incredible repeat purchase and the velocities in all of our stores are up um, since when we, it, you know, inception into that account. So look, it, it happened, it stinks. We're still dealing with the ramifications as, as an economy as a whole, macro and micro. Um, I don't think you can't keep your eye off the ball here, right? Like it's such a volatile environment for anything. I mean, one ingredient you could hear about changing the price and of changing your whole cost structure and you have to figure out how does that work? So it's, it's a huge puzzle that never stops moving. But um, overall, I think it, it was a great time for us to really figure out and focus and, and just like say, hey, it's, you know, this is it. Let's, let's keep moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good mentality. I think that this particular period of time, though, I think people would probably would rather it be, you know, the Goldilocks type era where everything's going well and everything's good. I mean, I, I definitely think that whoever comes out of these two years plus that we're kind of going through this are going to be like so battle tested that, you know, who knows what they can achieve in the long run. It's yeah. just you know, it's, it's always a mental grind in the sense of like, you know, you, you, you want to always approach challenges as opportunities, but like every single day is a new one that like, it's tough to like, keep your mind in it and saying like, yeah, this is another opportunity to get better. Another opportunity to get better. Like, you're like, can we just get a break at, at this point? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that that's totally true. And as if running a CPG emerging brand isn't hard enough, right? Like you layer this on top of it. And not just for us, like our 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 team and 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 employees and team members of emerging brands too, right? Like everyone's dealing with crazy stuff at home and 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 in market. And it's it's really, really nuts. So I, I think there is a lot of battle testing that comes out of it. And I think a good exercise to do, and I try to do it, I'll do it with some folks on our team and even myself is saying, because we'll look and say, oh crap, look at all the 500 things that we want to do is turning back around and saying, hey, look what we just did in a week or look what we just did in a month. It's it's amazing the amount of work that we've accomplished as a team. And I think that's a good and healthy exercise. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's just like, hey, look what we achieved, right? In this period, look what we dealt with. Can you believe it? And you laugh about it later in some ways, right? You know, if you if you live to see another day. So yeah, I think that's that's the attitude you have to take with it and, and just, Kind of roll with the punches. Yeah, definitely love that. You mentioned a little bit um, earlier. Uh, you know, this is kind of be a central theme throughout our conversation, but just you know how you guys kind of baked in some of that health and wellness uh, mindset into your guys's brand when you're getting it built, and and just kind of throughout the uh, you know throughout these last I think at this point almost eight years um, at this yeah. point. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about just overall this this idea of like the wellness trend and, and just kind of how that's become really like all-encompassing it's infiltrated and influenced like every nook and cranny of like our lives at this mm -hmm. point and mm -hmm. i remember a few years ago everybody's like you know every brand is a is a tech company at the end of the day or you know and i think about this as like every company now needs to be a wellness company as well and it's like if it's internal wellness, you know, thinking about the employees um, differently and, and trying to make sure you support them. Maybe it's through applications within products or whatever it is, but people need to realize that that has to be put into the forefront of brands at this point. Like wellness needs to be a lens that you look through in your company. And 
I was thinking about it, not maybe not necessarily from you know the internal side of things, but more question around maybe externally and how people are being a little bit more hypersensitive on like their wellness routines, their health routines, you know, all those types of things. And trying to think about is that has that been a propellant, I guess, if for your guys's product being a better for you or even a little bit more premium product than, you know, the typical competitor on shelf. And Josh, I had you cut out for a second, but you, it sounds like you're talking about how wellness has has infiltrated into our culture yeah. and is that competitive advantage. I think you're spot on where, look, you're already seeing it. Like everything is about wellness. You go to any, you go to Target, Walmart, any end cap or a display, it, it's, if it doesn't explicitly say health and wellness, like it is pushing it on you. Yeah. The industry is about health and wellness. And I think that's a great thing for society. Um, I wish the, you know, the, the health numbers, however they're measured would follow with disease rates going down and, um, you know, obesity going down and things of that nature, which is, which is really tough. You hear a lot of, you know, nutrition battlefields going on with, you know, meat versus no meat and all that things and, and all the different types of dietary nutrition tracking. Look, I think here are the ways that we've incorporated it into our business. Um, a number of ways. And some we took from complete nutrition. I wouldn't even say that all of them were intentional. For example, Charlie and I's passion, innate passion for health and wellness and fitness wasn't something we sat down and said, hey, this is like, we need to have this in good wipes, right? We, we didn't do that. I think it just kind of innately carried with us as genuine authenticity of who we are as people transcending the company because we're running it every day for the majority of our, you know, seven or eight years, right? Um, we, we definitely started off, you know, just kind of taking it back in the time capsule here. We were um, ingredient geeks and hounds. And I remember ordering and looking at every single white product in the local public. Because we started out at my parents' house in Orlando, Florida. So we would go through the ingredients of every single white that we ordered off Amazon and that was available at Publix for any use case and just said, and looked them up and said, what do we like? What don't we like? Um, and, and that kind of infiltrated to get us to the premiumized products that we have now um, and that infiltrate all products uh, from our entire brand portfolio. Um, that comes from, and why our products are the way they are now, comes from a customer obsession. And that obsession also came from complete nutrition, where we also, we knew like in order to win, have to be differentiated, have to come with our own unique formula, distinctiveness, something that's memorable. And being obsessed with customers, like we were complete nutrition because our lives depended on it. Remember, we were aiming to be entrepreneurs, right? So we, we had... Um, we had uh, money at stake or we had um, what skin in the game yeah. to succeed. Even when we weren't technically franchisees, we were working towards that. So we were, we were really literally obsessed with the customers that we were working with to demonstrate good results. Cause we thought that was going to be our future for the rest of our lives, owning and operating these complete nutrition stores. So that has transcended obsession with the customer experience to get the products that we have now, which definitely took a long time. And then I think, Innately as a culture, yeah, I do think, maybe I don't think about it as much, but it probably does reveal itself, I think, in some of the content and the way that we approach things, and even the way that we have an amazing brand update that we're about to reveal shortly and some campaigns that we've been working on. I think that all comes from the, just the company's natural orientation around health and wellness and feeling good. And a lot of feeling good comes from health and wellness, we now know. You mentioned through an email, we we're talking about, you know, how you guys even uh, with 
some of the surveys and things like understanding you know customers' diets and and I'm even thinking about you know, with the hyper focus towards you know even categories like gut health and specific um, diets that are focused on you know maybe helping regularity or number of other things like how those things could even play into your guys's business because I think that a lot of that attention is now getting put on an area that is you know widely misunderstood still and we're still kind of getting the sense of like what the gut microbiome means and, and everything but a lot of that also has to do with like your category not necessarily just the you know I mean it's got to go up Upstream and downstream, I guess, is, is the thinking here. I, I was just thinking about that. Yes, like so, we do we do track dietary trends. We track anything that can affect our business, right? Um, so we go all the way upstream to, from the esophagus all the way down to the uh, the perianal area. Okay, so where it's all connected, we know. So we want to track and understand how folks' dietary patterns and trends and fads affect their the amount of times that they're defecating throughout a day and a week because the more that someone poops what we call super poopers the more that they will be likely to adopt our new hygiene routine and so it's not only natural again for us to be tracking that because we all care about health and wellness we all care about gut health um but we don't just we're not just like you know a numbers nerd in the back saying oh this is happening this is happening it's like we understand that because half the team has probably done that diet, right? So it's like, you know, when we talk about caffeine culture, that's something we track as well. We have a heavily caffeinated culture. I mean, Josh, I was in a refrigerator of an amazing retailer that we talked about last week, and every single can in there, probably 80% had 200 milligrams of caffeine. I've pretty much gotten off of caffeine. I'm probably under 20 milligrams a day now. And I'm like, that is a lot. That is a lot of caffeine, 200 milligrams. And that's probably not the only drink. And we know that that makes you go to the restroom. So we do track those things. We do track dietary changes, trends, fads, and anything that can allow us to tie into their lifestyle because of what they're putting in their body and their mouth. As you were saying that, I was like thinking to myself, maybe I should grab the energy drink and have a little sip there since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get, get revved up, man. I think mentioned earlier in the conversation and in introduction about, you know, some of these maybe applicable lessons from that are in your category, but also in the, you know, more, I guess, ingestible food, beverage, nutritional supplement space that, that I spend a lot of time in and, you know, a few different themes that I thought, at least in my mind as an analyst, like how I see these things could be kind of interesting to talk through. And, and the first one was around, you know, really the idea of, the sea of sameness. Um, this is something like your category is notorious for, for. you know, you yeah. go down an aisle and you think about this, it's, it's basically, you know, bland private label. You got Georgia Pacific, you got P, you know, Procter and Gamble, and then you got Kimberly Clark that, yeah, some of them maybe try to use a little bit of, um, branding marketing angle, try to, you know, whatever, but by and far, it's just boring. Like boring. just nothing, just nothing. Like, like I, I even thought about this when we were we were getting ready to talk, and I was thinking I had to go to our pantry to see like what we had stocked because I was thinking I have no idea what we bought last time. I don't know, and I'm like thinking the time before I don't know, and the time before I don't know. It's like 
that I had no brand loyalty. And I'm sure the vast majority of, of people that are buying legacy product also have no brand loyalty. And I was thinking about, you know, that obviously the commoditization of the category and how you guys need to stand above and beyond and be different from that. But also like those products within that commodity, they're doing very like nuanced product marketing and, and attributes like where, you know, is it a second uh, ply? Is it uh, quilted? Is it like, and, but what does that mean? It's like, they don't really even go into the aspect of like from a consumer, like why should I care that that has that over something else? And right. I think a lot of that has applications to like, these other categories because it's the same thing you go down any aisle and it's and you get that sense as well of like why should i care why does this all look the same you know like i don't understand um and then there's a few brands like you guys and in, in, in every category that have been able to build off of that and go we could create a cool story that's different than everybody else oh it's one of my i probably say this about a lot of things but it's one of my favorite dynamics of the category is you walk down that aisle and the retailers in last week, they have 60 foot toilet paper aisles, 60 feet of toilet paper. And you can't, no one would want to shop all the way down the aisle. And fortunately, this retailer has now a four foot set with wipes and they kill it with wipes. And the more, the more space that, that they are giving to flushable wipes, they automatically see consumers come in, join and adopt. Even then, I don't know how many, I don't know what the percentage is, but we were passing out coupons and samples in the aisle and we had to like yell at people on the other side of the aisle, like say, hey, come down here. And we had to go meet them halfway, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. I don't like, I don't even know why there's, there has to be differentiation yeah. because it's all the same thing. And look, I, I see what they're doing. They're, they're, there's what I, I call it, a, there's two things going on. One, there definitely is some product differentiation that they're pushing, but it's it's a confusopoly, right? That's that's the name that that's a name that comes from Scott Adams, the author of Dilbert. Industries that engage in being a confusopoly are uh, health health insurance, um, probably any type of insurance, but definitely health insurance and healthcare, and like tel um, cellular services, right? You, you don't know what's going on. They just try to confuse the heck out of you. You just say, "I'm so annoyed. Let me let me just sign up," right? And that's exactly what toilet paper is because you know, 530 rolls equals 540 mega rolls equals 17,000 squares equals, you know, 18 million poops, which lasts you 62 days. And it's like, wait, what part do they care about? They're soft, they're strong, they're soft and strong. Why not? No, I not just make them all soft and strong. I, I just, I don't get a lot of it. And why do you need to have, so oh, the growth so far to date over the past, you know, 80 years and more recently the past five, 10, 15 years just comes from adding more roles and the size of the roles in a bigger pack, taking up more space, driving up more dollar rings when the customer has no idea what's going on. And we say, hey, who cares? Why don't we just sell you this for $3.49? It's a better experience. And we're seeing people switch completely off of toilet paper for folks that are adopting. And it's like way simpler. It's cheaper and it lasts longer. We don't even really talk about that many attributes. We just say, this is better for you. Try it. And we have that adoption. Yeah, and this kind of shifts into what I wanted to ask you next, because there's the typical, I guess, product-centric marketing, and then there's the bigger kind of brand storytelling and, and all that. And I know that you guys lean towards, you know, the brand storytelling, but for 
for your per specific, I think this maybe could be a value to some people, especially some of the sales professionals and things that are listening to this is that, does that change like from your direct consumer, obviously, you know, you're not directly involved with selling something one-to-one -one in that scenario, but you guys obviously have that aspect of it compared to when you're walking into say HEB, Target, Walmart, and talking to their buyers, are you more product centric in the way that you deliver your information? Are you still talking about brand and you're talking about why you're different and, and kind of above and beyond just that basic, like we have a great product because I think the great product is kind of the entry fee to compete in the market at this point. Like everybody has a great product or at least one that suffices for a consumer to continuously buy that. So it's like, you have to have something above that, but from your angle, like, do you change that pitch a little bit or are the merchandising teams, buyers, you know, every, are, do they understand the brand storytelling aspect of a category that maybe, you know, if they've been in that buying of that category for the last 10 years, like they're used to just these big companies probably just hitting them with, here's the lowest price here is our product you need to stock it and that's it we spend probably look and i for i'll talk about consumer first consumer product is really important for a number of reasons there's habit switching there's this versus that there's us versus baby wipes just being objective here right um we do brand so we're we're, we're actually enhancing both our product and brand marketing experiences and activation experiences for consumers that'll you'll start seeing probably in the next two weeks that are going to be really, really fun to watch from when we speak with a retailer engage with the retailer, we do laughably little product. We have probably maybe a slide or two. It's probably the shortest amount of time. We, we, we really are spending time on category and the subcategory and the trends that we talked about. Some of the trends that, which are some of the trends that we build in those are probably the ones that we talked about um, with, with diet nutrition. Uh, it's probably, 50% of the trends that we hit on. Um, so it's really talking about category, really talking about, you know, what we're seeing, really talking about usage and consumption and changing in habits to let them know that there's space to grow this category. And then we'll do a little bit on what, what we're doing as a brand and just touch on it. And then we'll do a little bit talking about, well, I mean, we do try to spend a lot of time here. Yes. Brand of like what we're doing for activating, like what are the fun activities and we show them and, show how it comes to life in really fun and quirky ways that have worked for us. Um, but not a lot of product. There's, there's just not a lot to be discussed. I, I think they understand when they see the samples and, you know, they're playing around with it on the Zoom call. It's like, we feel pretty good about that. So we're, yeah, it, it's, it's a good thing. Mentioned earlier around, you know, taboo subjects. And I think, you know, on one hand, you know, feminine hygiene and if it's, um, you know, some type of hygiene routine that after you go to the bathroom, like that shouldn't be something that is particularly taboo, but it, but it is. Um, and I think about even the application to, you know, more of the functional food, functional beverage, nutritional supplement space and like categories, like be it like sexual wellness, that's like really hot right now. That's starting to like break down some of those taboo subjects or even like, you know, mental health. Um, again, another one that's like, should it be taboo at all, but for whatever reason has been in our culture for the longest time until very recently when people are starting to break down those walls and even things like maybe hair loss, both on the female and male side, like I'm thinking about like, obviously the, there's a lot of that application. You guys have to deal with that still. And I'm I'm thinking about maybe even 
through you guys trying to attract um, influencers or, you know, UGC creation or any of those, like people maybe are not all that like cool about creating that content and putting it out to their, to their audience. Um, Even though we all do it and it would be super impactful for whatever reason, you know, you're fearful of putting that stuff out there. We definitely have a lot of folks. And I think it shows through when there's an influencer who really is bought in. Um, there's definitely been quite a bit who who do care, who like are vocal about some high, right? There, but there isn't as much people, there, there just aren't as many people saying you need to take care of your butt, right? So that's been, that's been interesting for us. And you, you have to kind of, you have to kind of wrap it into humor. Um, we, we track and, and watch conversation. You know, that's one of the trends that we talk about too, is people are more willing to talk about those things now. On a broad level, probably not. I think it's young, the younger generation who is, um, mu- you know, much more willing Gen Zs and younger millennials who are much more willing to discuss anything really that comes, up, you know, to the tip of their tongue. Right? I mean, um, they'll talk about uh, they'll, they'll talk about mental health. They'll talk about the, you know social issues, um, political economic issues. They'll really talk about anything. And and hygiene is definitely something that we're seeing them talk about more and more. Again, wrapped up into this big this big package of overall health and wellness. So um, we're we're definitely seeing more more folks willing to. Those folks tend to steer younger um, and or have the dynamics of they care about their bodies. And if we're talking about butt wipes and they they're you know capable of infusing humor. So if most of their posts are serious. It, it's kind of difficult um, to share can- about butt wipes. So. I was even thinking, I don't know when it was, maybe within the last year or two, um, that there was a survey or, or some results that got kind of populated around. And, and I'm sure this is stuff that you guys do internally, but maybe you saw this one that kind of got circulated around where it was talking about even just, do you go front to back, back to front? Like what, you know, do you use uh, baby wipes, you know, regular wipes? Do you use toilet paper? Like, like, because if you think about it, like nobody really talks about that aspect like you're not with your buddies um you know drinking a few beers watching this the game and then you just guys bring up like hey how do you guys uh wipe after you go to the bathroom because we don't talk about it maybe we don't know the most um hygienic way of doing something which i think is a huge opportunity probably for you guys but as you said like you have to kind of figure out how to wrap it up in a way that makes it like sure. it penetrates the best, I guess, like within the cat within yeah. you know customers. So what we've done is we were very intentional about this over the past two and a half years, and I think this has led to our success in market recently. Is knowing that there is a challenge when folks are buying baby wipes or they're buying private label wipes or a brand that doesn't look very good in their bathroom, kind of like um, how Method did and, and Hello yeah. uh, Toothpaste. Is I kind of want that that uh, Sensodyne in my drawer, right? Or in, uh, below below the sink. I don't want it standing out. And we saw that same situation happening with wipes. It just doesn't look very good in the bathroom. And more and more people are investing in, especially over the past two years, in what their home looks like and what all, because of wellness, their private spaces, like their, the bathroom is, becomes a sanctuary. So what we decided to do is play into that luxuriousness while maintaining our playful and don't take us too seriously feel to where we can actually look good inside of the bathroom. Why do I say this? Because that we believe is the point of one of the largest and most significant points of discovery. 
when everyone's coming over watching for the Super Bowl or the game or whatever, or the gals are, are doing their gathering, when they go to the bathroom, see our product, that's where the word of mouth circle begins to penetrate. And that's how you initiate the discussion to say, oh, what are those? Like, oh, you don't wipe your butt with, with wipes? And that's where we're seeing the best and most, I think, viral and shareable moments. And so this was all by design that we embedded into our product line over the past two and a half years. Yeah, I really love that last point. Um, <laughs> I think that you want to have these products be shown off. And you mentioned, you know, like something like Method or like where, you know, your dish soap or your hand soap, like it used to be you want to hide it because it was so ugly. And then now you're like, well, this is a great looking thing. I don't mind it being out um, during the day. And I think that you, like your category as a whole, like it's lacked that. Um, there hasn't been something where you feel comfortable putting that somewhere where it would be viewable and not having to hide it and be like embarrassed. And I think like it's kind of in the last point that I wanted to kind of mention that maybe has some application is is really aligned with that last thought because you know, I think about like the Nike method of like thinking about like their product is like the most important marketing tool. Um, be that from the look, be that from the, you know, the actual performance of the product, be that, you know, all those types of things. And I think that this has a ton of application to, you know, the ingestible side as well, because product taste is king, those types of things. I mean, when somebody gets to taste something or, you know, gets put in their hand, they're, they're more than likely going to enjoy that. It's just a matter of getting that trialing. And I think even for you guys talk through, like maybe a little bit around like your guys' sampling mentality and like trusting that those samples are going to create both, you know, retention and then also like building community through that. Because I think that's like a super important thing, especially, you know, up until I think you guys had, you know, a little bit of that capital raise, like, I mean, everything was being super organic and being, you know, slow and steady and, and kind of focusing on that side of it, not just, you know, pumping a ton of paid and just trying to get, uh, you know, bait that game or try to find, you know, a little bit of a hole in the system. You know, this, you guys built it the, the more meticulous, you know, foundation strong way. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, sampling is something. So you kind of had to turn it off for a period of time, at least during 2020 and 2018, 19, um, with, because we really were kind of more um, out there with, with feminine hygiene than we were with, with our flushable butt wipes. It just had, had gotten pretty good traction in retail. Um, and what we did with that was we, I mean, a number of things. One, we targeted a bunch of health and wellness boxes, sexual uh, and, and feminine health and, and sexual wellness boxes, um, like sample boxes that would go out. And on top of that, we would embed ourselves in communities where people were gathering of folks that would use our product. So uh, there were a number of recent mom groups or, or women who recently became mothers um, getting back into exercising and we would just sample the heck out of them. And they were at to the point. And so that what they would do is the different chapters around the country would tell the other ones or they would see them post and then they would all just come to us. So it was a very quick flywheel funnel. And they loved it. And then we would just see our, our sales and retail start to, you know, keep going up because people were posting and sharing about it. Um, that's the way to do it. That's the, you know, the James Richardson method. That's the Ted Wright method from Fizz. Um, that's, you're going to see us doing a little bit more of that with a, a, a few key groups over the next few years. And I think, I think that's going to be fun because it is just a way to kind of break down conversation outside of the home. Right. So. Well, Sam, I, really appreciate all the time you gave me and in, in my community. I think there was a ton of 
super valuable nuggets of information sure. that you know we kind sure. of produced here. So super thankful that you took some time out of your day to to join me. Cool. No, I really appreciate it. That was a blast. I would, I would love to do it again. I'll pay to be on again. I'll, I'll send you good wipes to get on again. That was too much fun. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 